It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. And as a reminder to you, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Bills is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. All right, folks, got a ton to get to here today on the podcast. Obviously, whenever the Bills lose a game, feels like there's a lot of questions about it, right? And so this is kind of my opportunity to respond to the most popular items that were brought to my attention. I've also got a little special guest for you here in the middle of today's podcast, uh, an opportunity that I want to make everyone aware of as we approach Thanksgiving. Uh, One other note here, and if you're watching on YouTube, you could tell something's a little bit different. My main computer has given me some major problems this afternoon, and so I kind of had to re-rig some things and use my laptop for this recording. Uh, But we're getting it in, and I'll, I'll spend the rest of the day trying to figure out this computer. But if I look a little different or sound a little different, we had to re-rig some things this afternoon, and uh, hopefully the quality is is uh, satisfactory for you. All right, let's get started. First one comes from Justin, who says, couple things go through my mind with the Bills' performance the last three weeks. If they cut the turnovers down in half, they are 8-1. and one. Allen needs to play better. This is on his shoulders. As far as Dorsey, I don't think this lands at his feet. I know he's aggressive, but how many bad decisions has Allen made where the check down was wide open. Why does he refuse to take the check down? I think the problems on offense are 80% of Josh not taking the profits and forcing throws. Yeah, I think you got some good points here, Justin. And this is kind of where I'm at as well. It's just turnovers, right? We can talk about a lot with this football team, and we should. But when you're considering the primary reasons why the Buffalo Bills are 6-3 and and have three disappointing losses, it's turnovers. The Bills are turning over the football on 19% of their offensive drives. That is the highest in the NFL by a good clip. Number two is the Patriots at 16.5. The average is around 10%. The Bills are at 19%. So the Bills have three losses by a combined eight points while turning over the ball 19% of their offensive drives, by far the highest in the NFL. And so to me, your panic level, your concern, your worry, whatever you want to say about this team is tied to your belief that they can reduce the turnovers. And I got some good news here for for you. The Bills were middle of the pack for turnovers in 2020 and 2021. 14th in 2020. 18th in 2021, dead last this year. So can they fix that? Because all the other stuff that they need to improve upon, that's just normal 
NFL ebbs and flows. You got to improve. You get challenged in new ways. You talk about it. You figure it out. But you got to stop turning over the ball. You're killing your chances to win football games because you're turning it over so frequently and you just don't value the football. Maybe you say that you do, but the the information, the statistics, the numbers, they say that you don't. Can they get that fixed? I think it's fixable. I really do. Why? Because I have a sample size of the Bills not being the most turnover-prone team in the NFL. I've got sample size that tells me that, meaningful sample size. Right now, they got to get it fixed. And I think it really can be that simple. I kind of got into that at the end of yesterday's podcast. You know, talking about that Vikings loss and just kind of came back to look. Is it just this simple? Is it really just this simple? Stop turning over the ball. And yes, I do think part of the reason they are turning over the football is an aversion from Josh Allen to kind of take some of those profits and look at some bigger throws down the field. Next one comes from Mark. Mark says, question for herd mentality. What is the Jamison Crowder situation? Haven't heard anything regarding him in a while. Also, you're wondering the same thing as me. What is the problem with running the ball in the second half? Well, as for Jamison Crowder, he's got a broken ankle, and he's out indefinitely. I don't know that you'll see him play again this year. But that broken ankle is the last thing we've seen from Jamison, and he's on injured reserve. Now, you had a second part to your question there about the running the ball in the second half, and you acknowledge that we both have the same question. I don't know that I have a clear answer, but it's a problem. They're not committed to it, I can tell you that. And they become a very one-dimensional team in the second half. And when you're one-dimensional, pretty easy to play football against you. Next one comes from Luke. Luke says, what do you think the holdup is with Tredavious White? If the Bills felt felt comfortable putting Josh out there on Sunday, why not Trey? Wouldn't there be some advantages easing Trey in in obvious passing situations the same way teams use designated pass rushers? Just seems like they could have made a difference with Jefferson yesterday, even in a limited role. Well, yeah, I have some thoughts about this. First of all, I... I don't want to assume that Trey White could have came in and changed the outcome of the game. Maybe he could have. But I don't know that the Bills played Justin Jefferson poorly so much as Jefferson just had an elite performance, right? We talked about this yesterday. Nine of his 10 catches had less than a 50% probability rate of him catching it. Nine out of 10. I mean, the Bills were tight in coverage. This guy just made insane plays. I don't know if Trey White and his season debut in his first game action since Thanksgiving last year was going to change that. I don't know. Maybe. But I look at this stretch coming up here and I don't know what, I don't know why Trey White hasn't played to this point. You knew my take all along was Green Bay after the bye. And people thought I was crazy for saying that far into the season. Well, here we are three games after that and still no Trey White. He's been activated, but they haven't played him. Sean McDermott just kind of goes back to the phrase, there's not been any setbacks, and he's just not ready to play. And so that's what we know at this point. But if they were looking for a good opportunity to ease him in, hello, it's this next three-game stretch. The Browns this week with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, what do they have, one good receiver in Amari Cooper? Then it's Thanksgiving 
Detroit Lions against Jared Goff. Who's their best receiver? I'm on Ross St. Brown. The Patriots the following week, Mac Jones and Jacoby Myers. All right, let's go. Let's go. Play them. Whatever the holdup is, like, I'm not sure. But if it was opponent-driven, right, then I, I see the excuse, the excuses are over with. Maybe you didn't want to play him against Justin Jefferson. Maybe there were some concerns about some of the speed that the Jets had at receiver. I don't know. But it's time. It's time. And, and unless there's some missing information that we've not been made aware of, it's time. KB says, not having Edmonds in the second half was noticeable to me. With Poyer being out significant time and Edmonds out at times this season, who is more valuable to the defense? Is the drop-off from Edmonds to Dotson the same or worse as Poyer to Cam Lewis? I feel like with both missing time, it will make it easier for Brandon Bean to decide who to pay. Well, I, I think that that is absolutely true. Tremaine was awesome in the first half of that game, and we missed him in the second half. And I go back to last year, the Colts game. Bill's got their butt kicked by the Colts. Who didn't play? Tremaine Edmonds. So when you get into this question about who's more valuable to the defense, I think it's Tremaine Edmonds, and I love Jordan Poyer. And Poyer is probably a better safety than Edmonds is linebacker. I'm willing to acknowledge that, but Edmonds is more valuable to the defense. Oh, by the way, he's 24, and Jordan Poyer's 31. I think they're both great football players that matter a ton. I love them both. But as you get into this, either or situation where you're only going to pay one of them. I come back to Edmonds as the younger player that plays closer to the line of scrimmage. It's more of a valuable position in my mind. His skill set is extremely unique. You don't find guys that are 6'5", 240 pounds with all that length in the middle of the field and what he does from a coverage perspective for this football team. I can find safeties that are the same size and same athleticism as Jordan Poyer that can tackle and, and play well, right? I can find that. But Tremaine Edmonds is one of one, and he's 24 years old. That's the guy that I'm keeping. Love to have them both, though. I love Jordan Poyer. You guys know that. But that's not the that's not the the proposition I was given. I had to pick between Poyer and Edmonds. I go Edmonds. Next one comes from Eric, who says, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions for herd mentality about the last play, so hoping you can talk through it more. What is worse, the design of this play or the decision? Route concepts seemingly all cover one another up in the middle of the field. We hear often about Allen's arm arrogance, but here he stares down Gabe where it's simply not there on second down. Frustrating. All right, let's talk about the last play of the game. Uh, Josh Allen interception thrown to Patrick Peterson. This is uh, my commentary on that play. You have the Vikings. They're playing cover four. The Bills run a double post concept with Quentin Morris and, and Gabriel Davis. Harrison Smith and, and Q Morris is the inside player and, and Gabe Davis is the more outside player. Harrison Smith drives on Q Morris, which vacates space. Gabriel Davis has inside leverage on Patrick Peterson. And Gabe was a little bit flat on the route, but here's the reality. The ball was underthrown. It was an easy opportunity for Patrick Peterson to undercut the football. And after watching the All-22, 
I'm less bothered by the decision and more bothered by the throw. When Harrison Smith drives on Q Morris, you have the leverage, you have the window that you need to make the throw. But he was probably maybe six, five, six, seven yards short with it. That ball needed to be laced over, over top of Patrick Peterson towards the leverage where Gabriel Davis was running, and it it wasn't. And I will say that Gabe's route was flat. It, it, it was absolutely flat. It needed to be a hard break running towards the middle of the goalpost. And he rounds it, and it makes it very easy undercut opportunity, especially when you have an underthrown ball by Josh Allen. I am more bothered by the throw than I am the decision now that I've had the chance to watch it on the All-22. Folks, I hope that you have been getting in on the action over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is my favorite daily fantasy resource. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and Prize Picks has all the sports available NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, college sports, soccer, you name it. You can find it over at Prize Picks, and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Just don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match worth up to $100. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but you've been putting it off, you'll want to listen up right now. Locked On Bills listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. Here's why I love it it's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you always know. Your home is safe. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alerts you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, flood, floods, and other threats to your home. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend. Get 50% off a new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/slash. Locked on NFL. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, folks, I want to get to some more here today. The next one comes from Tank, and Tank has a question about the run game in the offensive line. Tank says, Is there stubbornness from Aaron Cromer to play to this offensive line's athletic nature when scheming runs or? Uh, excuse me, our uh, center and guard are better in space, and that shows in trying to run up the middle. Yes, they added more pulling lately. Seems to me zone runs just don't work as well. Well, let's look at the numbers here. Let's look at the numbers in terms of the percentage of gap runs versus zone runs by week, and I think you're going to see a very clear situation here in terms of the direction that they wanted to go and what reality has been. So against the Rams in week one, 50% gap runs. Titans week two, 65% gap runs. Dolphins, 59% gap runs. Ravens, 50% gap runs. Steelers, 42% gap runs. 
Now you're going to see the switch. They want it to be kind of balanced, lean towards zone a little bit. The Chiefs, 68% gap. Packers, 79% gap. Jets, 100% gap. Vikings, 78% gap. The Bills have figured out what they figured out last year. They run the ball best in gap concepts, which in a way kind of flies in the face of what you put there in the question. Because if they were tapping into the mobility of the offensive line, it would be more zone-oriented where they would use that lateral mobility to widen lanes and trust the running backs to make good decisions and find creases. They're not. They're blocking straight ahead. Now, now there's some pin and pole gap concepts. There's those types of things. But for the most part, it's more short. It's more short poles. And so, unfortunately, they just can't figure out the zone rushing. And so now it has to be gap-placed. Uh, you, you have determined tracks for your running backs. And that's just the world that the Bills are living in right now. And so I think, in theory, they've wanted to become a zone rushing offense. It just ain't working. So they've very much leaned into gap runs. Again, 78% gap against the Vikings, 100% against the Jets, 79% against the Packers, 68% against the Chiefs. I think there's there might be a case to be made that those are the Bills' best four rushing performances of the year, and they've leaned into gap runs. So they're trying a lot of different stuff, and I think they're figuring out that gap runs are the most successful runs for this football team. And it's interesting because you look at the makeup of this offensive line and, and think that zone runs were more tailored for the skill sets that they have up front, but it hasn't proven to be effective in really any of the last several years that I've studied this Bills football team. All right, folks, so here's what I want to do. Uh, check this out. If you're looking for an opportunity to be generous this holiday season, there's a great opportunity that is available to you. Just a couple minutes here uh, with Alyssa O'Reilly. I'm going to play a video for you, and then we'll get back to several more of your outstanding herd mentality questions. Folks, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and if you are looking for an opportunity to be generous and help Western New York families in need, you're going to want to pay attention here because I have Alyssa O'Reilly with me. She has a big heart for helping people, and I invited her to come on the podcast today to talk about some of the initiatives that she's working on and to let you know how you can get involved. So, Alyssa, thank you for joining me here today, and let's start by simply telling people what it is that you're working on. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I thought up an idea to to host something called, we ended up calling it Mafia Meals, um, where we're going to provide Thanksgiving meals to families in Western New York um, that are in need for the holiday season. Okay, well, that is fantastic. And and that's, I, I you're a friend of mine. I knew that you were doing that. And so I wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to tell the Lockdown Bills listeners about how they can get involved. So if people want to be part of these initiatives, what can they do and how can they do it? Great question. So you can go to mafiameals.com and provide a monetary donation, or you can come to our tailgate on the 20th before the Cleveland Bills game and provide either a monetary donation there or non-perishable food items. Okay. A tailgate. That sounds like fun. I've been to some of your tailgates. They are a good time. <laughs> so where, where exactly is this tailgate going to be? When, like, what time does it start? How can, uh, how can people find you? 
So we also are having a tailgate for the Cleveland Bills game at Prohibition 2020, and it is from 8.30 to 12. In addition to the monetary donations um, and non-perishable, you can also drop off coats and toys and diapers as well. All right. So this is awesome. There's lots of different opportunities. So if you can actually show up and provide an item, show up at Prohibition 2020, that's 3847 Southwestern Boulevard, Orchard Park, 8.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's Sunday, November 20th, ahead of the Browns game. And then, look, if you are not local, you're not going to be in town, somebody like myself, you can go to MafiaMeals.com and provide a donation, and all of that money will be used to support this initiative and get, uh, you know, obviously a Thanksgiving meal in the hands of families in Western New York that need it, but also, you know, you said there's different uh, winter coats and, and things that could be of use for for families in need. And so, Alyssa, maybe there's people listening to this right now that um, can't help but need help. And and I understand that there's a very uh, easy way for that need to be known if you're a family in need or you know a family in need that can use some support this holiday season. How can people uh, bring that to your attention? Yeah, so if people go to MafiaMeals.com and you scroll down, there's actually a form that you can complete that asks you first, the last name, your address. All of it is 100% confidential. Uh, how many people are in your family? And if you need um, a hot or cold meal, as well as if there's any additional needs that you have, there's a space to do that as well. Uh, I love that. And so the last thing I want to get into here is I understand there's a giveaway opportunity, maybe some tickets on the line for people yes. that uh, that show up and help. What's going on with that? So if you bring a non-perishable item or a toy, um, coat, et cetera, to the tailgate, your name will go into a, um, a drawing to raffle off Patriots Bills tickets in December. All right. Love that. So listen, MafiaMeals.com. That's the website. Check out Alyssa on Twitter. It's very simple. Her handle is one of the best in, in the business here, at Bills Mafia Girl. <laughs> don't know how you landed that, but don't give it up for anything. Uh, at Bills Mafia Girl. On Twitter, there's uh, different information that people can look and see flyers. And if they you know, didn't hear a, uh, one of the details here on the podcast, you can go and check out Alyssa's Twitter to get that information. But MafiaMeals.com, Thanksgiving uh, food drive and tailgate at Prohibition 2020, 3847 Southwestern Boulevard in Orchard Park, 830 to 12 on November 20th, ahead of the Bills game against the Cleveland Browns. Alyssa, I love what you are doing here to help families in need in Western New York. And I hope that uh, so many of the listeners of this podcast are inspired to help and support what you're doing and uh, check out those initiatives. And, and again, uh, I love what you are doing here for the community. And, and uh, thanks for coming on here to tell people about how they can get involved. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it. appreciate everyone donating. All right, folks, I appreciate you giving me a, a couple minutes there to just create more awareness to what's going on there, but mafiameals.com and, and that can point you in the right direction to uh, support that initiative and help Western New York families in need. Got some more herd mentality items to get to here in just a moment, but first this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Can we pause for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, Coconut brownie bar and coconut brownie topper. I've also got white chocolate peppernick granola. It's built take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still 
insanely tasty, and they've got candy cane brownie puff, which is built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. These things are awesome. So first of all, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever. Uh, they're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories, only 130 calories per bar. And once you have these things, like your life is going to change. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you tried these new Built flavors and the magical, wonderful time afterwards. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. That's a question that is not answerable to for me because they're all unbelievable and they're all different. So here's the cool thing. You can try them all. You can get a mixed box and try all five flavors for yourself. You got to try these. Go to built.com. We also have a deal for you. Get 15% off your order right now by using code LOCKDOWN15 at built.com. We all know when it comes to sports, teamwork is everything. Every player on the field has their role that contributes to helping their team win. And honestly, it's the same when it comes to game day snacking. Whether it's making the dip or bringing the chips, everyone has their role. And if it's you bringing the chips, let me tell you, I'm about to make you the MVP because Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are out here changing the game. These are the best tortilla chips out there. My wife and I, we love them. Uh, They're so good. We have dips all the time, spinach dip, artichoke dip, buffalo chicken dip. We can always trust Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips because they're delicious, crunchy, and made to dip. You never, ever, ever have to worry about them breaking in half when dunking them in the guacamole. And I also love that they're grown and they're made from organic flint corn that is grown in upstate New York. So be the hero of this week's tailgate and grab a bag of Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips at your local Wegmans. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips making you the MVP. All right, next one today comes from NorCal Bills fan who says, hey, hey, Joe, is it just me or has our edge rush been undisciplined with their lanes at some pretty key times? Vaughn and Epinesa, especially as of late. Against the Jets, Vaughn went about 10 yards upfield and Wilson easily stepped up through the hole he left and converted a game-changing first down. Against the Vikings, Vaughn had outside leverage on the tight end and got hooked by the tight end, and the Vikings got around the edge and converted a game-changing first down. And there's times I see Epinesa loops so far or gets blocked down, and the opposing team sets up the run right at him and turns into a massive run like Dalvin Cook's touchdown. Has this been a legit issue the past few games, or am I expecting too much from our edge? No, sir, you're not expecting too much. It's absolutely been a problem, and I've been talking about it a lot here on this podcast. Discipline, right? Discipline with run fits, discipline with pass rush lanes, and you just can't get too far up the field. Very inconsistent. You know who doesn't do that? Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson. Those guys are disciplined dudes. I love the way they play ball. But the thing with Vaughn is, man, he makes so many plays that you love, but there are some plays that he gives up because he's just not disciplined. He sells out to rush the passer. He gets out of his run fits. He gets out of his rush lane, and it it, it hurts the team. AJ Epinesa does it too. So, yes, there's some very inconsistent moments, and you highlighted two big examples. I talked a lot about that play, the Zach Wilson play that you mentioned against the Jets, and you know that 71-yard touchdown carry by Dalvin Cook was made possible because, due in part because AJ Epinesa just got too far up the field. Next one comes from Scott, who says, we have talked at length about how important it is to get pressure with four. And the Bills unquestionably need to generate more pressure. However, 
let's consider this approach from the opposing offensive coordinator perspective. You know exactly what you're going to get from the Bills on defense and have have the pen last. What was Justin Jefferson's average depth of target yesterday? What was Kirk Cousins' time to throw metrics? Is that process not sped up by mixing in some five- and six-man pressures? I don't intend for this question to sound like the blame is on the defense because it squarely falls on the offense and the inability to score in the second half of games. I'm merely embittered by the lack of variety on defense. Football is both a physical and mental game, and lining up in base nickel play after play does little to challenge the opposing team to make mental mistakes. Instead, it's Josh who's fallen prey to mental errors that has cost us the last two games. And lastly, I believe the charades of, excuse me, I believe the charades of will Josh or won't Josh play a massive distraction last week. Looking forward to the week where we know 17 and 27 will unequivocally be in uniform on Sunday. Keep up the good work, Joe. Go Bills. Interesting perspective there. So is the Bills defense too predictable? That's kind of what this boils down to. And is that, if that's true, if they're too predictable, does it take away from the mental challenges of the game because you know what personnel you're getting on any given play against the Bills? You know that they're rushing for. What's interesting about this is I heard Bill Belichick talk about this a couple of years ago where he talked about one of the most challenging things about playing against the Bills on defense is because they don't change personnel and they can run a lot of different things from that personnel. So as long as your disguise elements are baked in there and you're mixing your coverages, then I think you have somewhat of an advantage by not changing personnel, particularly with your back seven. But when you bring up the two questions that you did about Kirk Cousins' time to throw and Jefferson's average depth of target, it really makes me think. So let's talk about those two numbers. Kirk Cousins averaged 2.95 seconds uh, snap to throw against the Bills. His season averaged 2.69, including the 2.95 yesterday. It was his longest time that he held onto the football by a good bit this year. The previous high for a game was week three, 2.79 seconds. This one was 2.95, almost a full two-tenths higher than his season average. Or excuse me, almost a full three-tenths, two-and-a-half-tenths, I guess. That is an indicator to me that, well, first of all, he was willing to hold on to the football and allow routes to develop and challenge the Bills down the field. But also maybe what you're saying there, maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe he kind of knew what he was going to get. It's comfortable holding on to the ball, trust the protection. Those numbers do say something to me. Average uh, depth of target for Justin Jefferson against the Bills was 14.5 yards down the field. His season average, 10.7. His season high was last week against Detroit at 17.3. He didn't have any other game besides the Bills at 14.5 and and Detroit at 17.3 where he was out of the 11s. So, yes. All of this kind of plays into it. Now, the guy made plays, man. He did. There's no question about it. But I think as you want to try to throw the kitchen sink, if you will, at quarterbacks, whether it's a good veteran quarterback or a rookie quarterback, mixing things up and giving them different looks, which could include different personnel groupings, might be a conversation worth having. But I also see the other side of it. And maybe maybe it's a little bit mitigated because you don't have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Your disguise 
intentions, you're spinning late, you're changing the picture pre-snap and post-snap that you've done in the past. Maybe you're not doing that as effectively because you don't have your masters of disguise in Poyer and Hyde. Something to be said for that. But I will say, Scott, you've uh, provoked some thinking here on my behalf, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Sean says, I have a question regarding the Bills' second-half game plan. Up two scores, they seem to go pass-heavy. Instead of milking the clock and then using play action, it seemed like they kept trying to throw the ball the whole way down the field. I feel like the play action was very effective that game. The Bills didn't run it nearly enough. Can you confirm this and give your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think the Bills ran play action enough against the Vikings. I agree with you. Uh, 18% of Josh Allen's dropbacks against the Vikings were play action. His season average is 24%, so 6% less than his season average. But I'll be completely honest with you. I'd like to see that closer to 30 and, and above 30, to be honest with you. Push 35%. I would. So Josh Allen was half of what I want him to be play action-wise. If he was 36% play action against the, the Vikings, I'd be happy with that. He's at 18%. 6% below his season average. So, yeah, I do think you have a good point here. Not enough play action. Those are good plays for the Bills. They're a great play action team. And uh, they didn't give Josh Allen enough opportunities to do that against the Vikings. Last one today comes from Dan. Dan has a – I mean, look, there's a little sarcasm in here, but there's a, a, a worthwhile talking point. Dan says, the team has big-time problems attempting to win these coin tosses. Where do we go from here? Sign a street-free agent with some elite coin toss production? You know, uh, Brian also sent me a, a DM about the, the coin tosses. But, yeah, it's a real thing. So the Bills are 1 of 10 on the last 11 coin tosses. That's really bad. The only one they won was Baltimore, and it was the opening kick, and they chose to receive. Last year, they went 12 of 18 in the regular season, and I'm pretty sure Josh Allen won 10 in a row. So you win 10 in a row, and then you go 1 of 10 in your next 11, that's called law of averages. It's the world we live in right now. But, yeah, the Bills need to be more successful winning coin tosses. I'm not sure there's a easy answer to it. It's a 50-50 proposition. The Bills have lost 10 of the last 11 coin tosses. 12 of 18 last year, including 10 in a row to close out the year. Law of averages got them. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Remember, MafiaMeals.com. Support that initiative and help some Western New York families in need. Tomorrow, we turn our attention to the Cleveland Browns. We'll break down that football team from every angle. Thursday, of course, our crossover discussion. Make sure that you are subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.